film and television. Merely entertainment, right? No. There's so much more to film and television that changes our perspectives. And as a result, we can have different, either realistic expectations or non-realistic expectations about what life is really like. Whether it be horror that helps us develop a habit of turning every light on in the house or a comedy that helps us relieve tension in the saddest times of our life. I want to go in the Wayback Machine and find out exactly what movie helped shape you. I'm Oma Shadi, and welcome to the Between the Bannisters podcast. Hey kids, Moma Shadi here with Between the Bannisters podcast. Like I said, I always say that I'm, ex- <laughs> I'm excited about stuff and, you know, I'm very moved. I'm pleased to present uh, this very fine gentleman that I'm going to be talking about today. We're going to talk to uh, Mr. Phil Ogden, who is one of the most fascinating people that I know. So a little bit about Phil before we get started. So Phil is a farmer by trade who finds joy in directing. Spent time chasing the movie business from 1998 to 2002, only to ironically find personal and some professional success after he left. Phil's goal is to encourage the artists who are involved, support them, give them experience, and connect them with other great people on their journey. So, Mr. Phil, can you please tell the folks what we are talking about today? Uh, we are going to be talking about David Fincher's The Game. Yay! <laughs> yeah, it's... It's my, favorite, it's my favorite movie of all time. And pretty recently, I've run into people who, when I've said that, they, they've never heard of it, or it's just, it's not, and you know, I mean, that movie was out in 97, and there's a lot of years that have been <laughs> before that. <laughs> oh, man. So. That, was, that was my freshman year of college. First of all, Fincher's stuff is, is, is great. Um, and if anybody doesn't recognize what the game is, it was the movie that came after um, him directing Seven with Brad Pitt yes. and Morgan Freeman, which essentially was supposed to be first from what my knowledge is. And once Brad Pitt signed on for Seven, he was like, oh, I got to kind of jump on this because his schedule. Interesting. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. <clears throat> so tell me what about this movie that you loved? Why this movie above all others? Why are we talking about that today? I thought a lot about this. Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, because... You know, part, I think everybody can really relate to this, but like, there's not just one movie, there's a lot, right? There's, you know, but I, I feel like to sort of give some context for it, there are very few movies in, in my personal opinion, uh, that I've seen anyway, that handle subjects of faith very well. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of really bad ones. And there's a lot that I haven't seen, you know, I, I, I haven't seen everything that Bergman's done. But um, when they are done well, it's pretty remarkable. And I remember, so I saw the game in the theater when it was released. And I was living in St. Paul. I was going to college. I was actually going to college. I was training to sing. So St. Paul is like the choir capital of the United States. Yes. So when I I went to this movie and I went with some of my friends who I was in choir with, and it was a pretty amazing experience. And it was one of those movies where I walked out and I was like, that was really incredible. And, you know, you sort of talk about it for maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes, a couple beers after the movie. But like, I was like, I need to talk about this more. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I couldn't find anybody to do it, but I, I ended up seeing it again. And 
I ended up realizing that one of the things that really struck me about it and why I go back to it quite a bit is because there's very few movies that do a good job of once I was blind and now I see, which is the mm-hmm. theme that runs in that movie. Oh, for sure. And the fact that like, I don't know a movie that does it better to show that money can really kill you on the inside. And I think that's something about that movie that's really striking. And and that that there's, you can't, so you can't, so like there's a biblical thing about how like, it's not that it's hard to serve God in money. It's flat out impossible. Like you just can't do it. So it that the was of all evil. It, you know? Well, it, yeah. <laughs> and, and so the idea that that movie really takes a very rich person that on the exterior makes it look like they have everything. And then to show that he's not very happy with everything. And then the slow deconstruction about how the worldly grasp of riches just is not what life is about. And Mm -hmm. I was so struck by that, that I just kept coming back to it and back to it. And the more that you watch that film, the more that it's just pretty incredible, just imagery wise, story wise, like a lot of how David Fincher shoots that movie. It's all of it is saying those things over and over and over. And so. No, I think, no, 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 it's, I think that's a perfect, perfect answer to it because when you do get to the crux of the issue, it really is that, you know, when you strip away uh, everything that he has, and (laughs) he's very reluctant to see it all go, but it happens incredibly quickly in this movie where he really is stripped of everything that to what he believes makes him, him. And he kind of has to dig his way out. And I think that's a really beautiful way that you put it. And I'm so happy that the way that it struck you where you needed to talk about it, because I love films like that, where you're just like, I want to talk about it. <laughs> and some yeah. people are like, oh my God, shut up. <laughs> well, they, <laughs> there's I've, I've heard that a lot. There's no question about that. But th- there's a certain level and, and everybody's different. So like taking the high road in this, I'd say that there are, a lot of people that love talking about movies and I've had a lot of great discussions about it, but there are few and far between that really want to dig into like what movies really struck them about what really like, you know, you know, a tuning fork, you know, it rings for a while and there's Mm -hmm. something that like, you know, it hits your tuning fork in your soul. Like it just really resonates with that. Yeah. I love that. That's such a really great analogy for it because it does it does resonate for you and for so long. I mean, this movie is like, it's not, it's not recent. No, no. <laughs> like I said, it was my freshman year and I'll, I'll be 45 this year. So yeah, so I, I'm yeah. one year older than you. So like, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, but, it, but how movies stay with you um, regardless of the time. So how do you feel that the game and, and, what, and I really love the way that you've pulled that really beautiful message out of what it means. How do you feel that this movie shaped you, whether as a creative or just in your own life and the way you navigate it? I thought about this a long time too. Uh, and, and <laughs> <laughs> no, and I will say this. I, I will say that uh, it took me a long time to put words to it because I knew what I felt mm-hmm. about it, but I, I rarely ever had to explain it to anybody. I... I, I know that this isn't going to resonate for everybody. So I'll just speak about my own personal experience about this, but there are so few movies for me that really show you what a conversion of some sort looks like. And okay. it's very hard to do because conversion of, of, you know, whether it's if you are a Christian and you've 
met God, or if you've had some sort of experience that is supernatural, um, that you can explain it to somebody, but it doesn't, they, they, they can really take only your word at that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, and it's very difficult to show what that looks like visually because film can only do so much in that turn. Like you can't smell film. You can't, you right. know, there's certain things <laughs> they can't do. And everybody comes to a movie and takes away a feeling on their own. So it's not like you come away with one specific thing. But for me, I feel like there's very few, if any, that really show what it's like to have your life go from like, I didn't understand what the purpose of my life was. And now I do. That was something that when I was done watching that movie and I saw it a second time and I watched it subsequent times that I kept coming back to that. And I was thinking there's a certain point and maybe there's a lot of people who are listening to this that go through this experience, which is that you love a movie so much that at a certain point you stop talking to anybody about it because it's just so personal to you. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Absolutely. So right, so there's like a top 1% of movies that you don't talk to anybody about or you only talk to trusted people about. And then there's like this 50% underneath that that you're like, I could talk about them all. It's fine, whatever. And then like, yeah. you know, there's movies that you can like on the bottom, you know, 40% or whatever, like you, you know, either haven't seen or don't like or whatever. So the more that I liked the game, the less I talked to anybody about it. And there were so few people that I was able to do that with. Now, I feel like there's a lot that you could talk about because Fincher does a lot of things in the game Mm -hmm. that is a, I don't know, repeated is not the right word for it, but like he does a lot of similar things in his movies, even though each of those things are different in their own way. Yeah. Cameron does the same thing with a lot of his things. James Cameron does a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think like uh, probably another good example would be like Wes Anderson. Like if I say Wes Anderson, you can see something. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you're familiar with any of his movies, like, you know, I don't know, like Wes Anderson and David Fincher can shoot inserts like nobody I've ever seen. Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You know, there's going to be beautiful wallpaper, you know, there's going to be some sort of hipster involved, a really great soundtrack. Like you understand like that's what you're getting into with a Wes Anderson movie. But I think what's, what's really cool to me is that not only Fincher's eye with this movie and, and saying, um, and I completely, completely know how you feel about you know, only talking to a few choice people about this 1% of the movie. And that for me, that's what dreams may come with oh, Robert Williams. That's yeah. an incredible move for me. It was oh, talk about tuning fork. Like, I don't really want to talk about it right now, but, yeah. um, but it's, it's, it was really essential for me, especially going through like my behavioral science journey and just like certain, you know, uh, spiritual uh, awakenings that I've had in my life. Um, that was really essential for me. How is this, do you feel that this movie or what you've learned from it or really what resonated with you, how do you carry that message to other people? If you can't really talk about what this movie means to you with only like a certain group of people, how do you kind of carry that message with you through life? That's a great question. I think that something that came to mind when you were saying it is, is that, that there's, a, there's a great saying about how you can climb the ladder of success only to find out that it's on the wrong wall. And, oh, wow. I, <laughs> and, I, and I feel like that's something that I'd say on a throughout, like the, especially the last two decades has really been pretty prevalent for me 
on the forefront. Whereas like when I was younger and I was, you know, 21 to 25, I don't know that I was listening to that at all. But I feel mm. like in subsequent viewings over time, like if I watch that movie once every year, mm -hmm. the last two decades is when I really started being like, oh, because I'm understanding film more, because I'm understanding what the medium can do. And I understand that when... This is a this is a, a little tangential, but like anytime you go into a movie theater, you're going to sit down and have and, and bring something to it. Mm -hmm. uh, it could be a mood or it could be, you know, there, there's something that you carry in there. Nobody carries with a complete blank slate. So when you see the movie, however you react to it is whatever you sort of brought into that mm -hmm. movie. And then like on the other side of that is the idea that films are like art in any form is activated by what it leaves out right so like if you're reading a novel there's no pictures in it like you bring those pictures to it or like movies or music doesn't have words to it so, you know or imagery so like you bring your own imagery to it and like mm -hmm. a lot of what films how they are activated artistically is by what they leave out so like when i was listening to um tay talk about the wrath of khan like that's something that nicholas meyer talks a lot about in this commentary for it, which is that like, you know, he leaves the glove on for, you know, Khan and doesn't explain what it is. And that's like mm -hmm. his philosophy on those kinds of things. So as so this is a long way of getting to like the fact that as I kept watching the game, I kept realizing that there were like biblical principles that I was very aware of that I was like, oh my gosh, I can, people can put that in film and it can actually resonate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna be very careful when i say this there was a point in time when i became aware of people making quote-unquote christian movies that, mm -hmm. were, that were so bad <laughs> it's okay uh, i won't tell them okay. <laughs> and so uh so, so that that so something i carry with me so back to the analogy about the the ladder on the wrong wall Nicholas Van Orten is somebody that has his ladder totally on the, on the wrong wall. And he is climbing a very large ladder. And by mm -hmm. the time he gets to the top of it, he doesn't even realize he's on the wrong wall until he, the game starts. And I mm -hmm. think that that's just like incredibly powerful. And, and so I don't know. I don't know, I think that, I think I answered your question. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I, no, I, everybody sounds like, was that it? I'm like, I don't know. Like, yeah, <laughs> did it sound well, like it? <laughs> I just, <laughs> no, I think that that's Well, great. sometimes you're aware of talking and I, You're yeah. good. You're good. Yeah. So I always ask, because this is really, really difficult. And especially if it's one of your favorite films or it's resonated with you in a certain type of way. What are your three favorite scenes from this film? Oh boy. <laughs> uh I gosh. <laughs> well <laughs> they, I, I love a lot of them, but I, I feel like I'm not gonna diminish anything or like it just because I leave it out. But like one of my favorite scenes in the movie is the scene at the at the dinner club with the uh, Conrad. Mm -hmm. And it's the first sort of like interaction that they have in the movie. And uh, it, it says so much about their relationship, which I really like. There's so much that can be established in that. And like when you first watch that movie and if you were like me and you just like, you like movies, but like 
you didn't know anything about like directors of photography or sound oh, no. or like where it was, you know, where the movie where the was film the movie print, yeah, yeah, where the film print was colored, whatever, you know, like yeah. <laughs> but I remember seeing that and thinking like, there's a whole life story in this scene, and so I really, really love that, and I just think that, you know, Sean Penn and like Michael Douglas are really great in that scene, but it really establishes Sean Penn being on the other side, like Conrad being on the other side of the game mm-hmm. and understanding what he's giving his brother and his brother having no idea what it is, but can't even see the forest for the trees, you know? Right. He's just going to make money and keep climbing the ladder. And so I love that scene. And uh, I think that the other scene that I really love is the first scene where he shows up to have his guy that Armand Stahl plays, where I can't remember his character's name right now, but he shows up to open the briefcase and he like can't open it. It's stuck. He pulls out the first key and he like goes to open it. It still won't open. And that was the first time when I saw that, I was like, oh my gosh, this movie is not playing around. No. <laughs> Which was amazing. Definitely you know? messed with him quite a bit, quite a yeah. bit. <laughs> And, and you you almost feel sorry and then you're just like oh. well <laughs> I, well it, yes and i remember thinking that like by that point in the movie the first and second time i saw it i was like okay i know that the game started and i know that there's different things happening but like this isn't just a game mm-hmm. because there's something about the choice of that briefcase being locked and him being out of control, and there's an opportunity missed for him being very cold. That like turn it. There's something that like turns in that moment, and I, you know, maybe other people see it differently, but like I think that that's pretty amazing because it, it really gives you the idea that there's something more at play here, and that even though you get the feeling that CRS is in control, like for me personally, I felt like okay. I can relate to this because there are things in my life that have happened that I can't explain the order by which they landed that way. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think that's as good about it. And then, I mean, I think no one would be really surprised by this, but like when he falls off of the building and the image of the X shows up before he goes to the, the glass atrium Mm -hmm. is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) and there's a lot that and I've talked to a lot of people and I think maybe this is when I stopped talking to people because a lot of people (laughs) did not like that that's fair like if you feel that way I what are you gonna do well I don't feel I don't like I said earlier like there's a lot of stuff that you bring to it if you're a person that does not want to have want to believe that your life could be sort of like overseen by something to higher power or like Mm -hmm. control like that you're gonna hate that scene Mm-hmm. but there's something really amazing about that <laughs> and, and you know with Fincher's framing of of anything that he does it's very meticulous there's mm-hmm. something that even it's just so perfect that you feel like every single thing was in control that even when he falls in the x it's like so perfectly placed in the frame it's crazy yeah uh, yeah and the, the big pillow <laughs> yeah <laughs> You're like, yeah oh. but it, I am caught by I did survive. I got through it. Something caught me. Like it's it's a very interesting way to to just kind of not tie it together, 
I don't really know what I'm trying to say here, but it was just a very interesting way to just cap the end of the, the quote unquote game yes. um, with that. I thought that was a really essential, essential way to do that. Is there any parts of the movie where you're like, mm, I didn't really like that or they could have did this better or I wish I'd have seen X. I spent hours <laughs> trying to think of, of, of this. And, and I, so fun too. <laughs> I really did. I, I, cause I drive around a lot cause I farm for a living. So like, I, I, I really did think a lot and here's where I came out on it. There isn't because I feel like the minute that you start wishing that you could add something into that movie to me, it really, it starts to break down what the message of that movie is. You know, if I was going to be absolutely nitpicky about it, mm-hmm. what would have been really cool in my opinion is one of the things that they establish in it is, is that Conrad wants to give his brother this gift and it really is a gift. Mm-hmm. And the idea that like, it would have been really neat to figure out a way for Nicholas in the end to sort of like have an opportunity to give that to somebody else, but he doesn't have anybody else in his life. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's so nitpicky. Like I would never say that to anybody. Like if anybody would be like, but there's gotta be something wrong with that. I'd be like, no. There isn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's the perfect film. It, and, for for me, it is. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of movies that have problems in it, and I don't care. You know. Right, but I think that that's that's what that's why we're here. That's yeah. why we're here to talk about it. Yeah. Which I love. Which I yeah. love because it's not everybody's got an issue. You know, I've talked to, you know, a bunch of I've talked to a bunch of my friends about this, and we're on. I think this has got to be probably like what 14th, 15th episode, 16th episode that I've done. And more than half of the people have been like, well, maybe just one thing. And some people have been like, no, it's perfect. Like, I wouldn't change anything because then I I would be thinking, you know, whatever I needed to be in there. And that's not what I actually need it to be if I change things. I think it's interesting, and this is more just a personal opinion than anything, that Fincher never did really anything that was like that movie subject-wise again. And you know, this is conjecture, but it's like, it's almost like the, the films that are after the game, he works so hard to really dispel any, any sort of subject, you know, like, okay, I made a film that was basically like, I was once dead and now I, you know, or I was once right. blind and now I see, or, you know, had very strong Christian allegory. And then mm-hmm. he went and made like six films in a row that was just like, nope. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with that you know Not this guy yeah and so it makes me it makes you know at least you have the one <laughs> and the one you is know. good the one is and the good one enough. is good yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. which you, is, know. you know what's so great about that I mean we when you think about it I don't feel like he and he chooses his, his projects very I think very wisely and methodically for what he wants to do and the message that he wants to convey because when you think about it because he did the Alien, uh, I think Alien 3. Yeah. And, you know, that was the one that everyone kind of like, not really panned, but they were just like, well, you know, why is this happening? And you do have a lot of that type of like birth and rebirth allegory through aliens. I mean, it's a life form trying That's to true. live yes. through another <clears throat> uh, life form. So I don't think it was too far off from that because he did, you know, Seven and then he did, which, you know, if we, we talk about Seven Deadly Sins, I mean... He's not too far off from like. No, the no, path. that's. <laughs> no, that's. I, that's that's fair to say. 
although if <laughs> you get I, I don't know there are finch there are fincher aficionados out there that would argue that like you know he did direct alien 3 technically but like you right. know Fox, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of problems that were burdened with that and ultimately like he did not have control of no. that movie kind of like and, a spielberg toby uh, kind of thing <laughs> and so and so uh and so but i agree with you about that but i feel like there's not a lot of hope in seven there's not a lot of oh, hope in alien at all <laughs> None. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like the game is is definitely different in that aspect, and um, it's pretty interesting to hear him talk about it on the commentary. He doesn't particularly shy away from it, but like he does have a pretty worldly view of like what he was thinking about it. But mm-hmm. even that is pretty interesting because you know the movie did get made. There's a lot that you could take from that. Sure. You know. And I think that for him, uh, I remember uh, when I was, when you had suggested it, I haven't gone back and and watched the movie in a whole, but I did want to get some, some commentary of like what he had said about the movie. And I think that he is, he really wanted the third act to be not messy, not like super, like, because we go through a lot, like (laughs) Nicholas goes through a lot. Um, but he did want it to have some type of brevity at the end to to let him come out the other side, which I think was really, really important to and, and to to your point to give a semblance of hope um, in this film, which was which is great because you don't think <laughs> when you're watching it, you don't think that there is it's pretty hopeless for her, for him for a yeah. little bit, kind of hairy in the middle. So I always ask at the end of these, what do you feel i mean i think we've kind of talked through it for most of of this conversation but is there anything in your personal opinion that you feel that this film is truly trying to say that's a good question i think that's a hard question to ask because again i think that it's movies are very much about what you bring to them Mm -hmm. and what you are willing to sort of engage with them so i think I think the movie is about taking somebody who's rich and very in control and stripping them of their control to find out what kind of person they are and can be. So I think that's what that movie is. And I think it looks very different for people, even if they want to understand what that is. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for people that don't want to understand what that is, they're not going to really engage the same way. Mm -hmm. But that that's what I would say. I like it, Phil. I like it. Yeah. (laughs) Now, the $100,000 question, which I don't have a $100,000 question. I don't have a $100,000 American dollars to give you. But if I did. Which is weird because you're in the writing community. (laughs) I know. I know I should be rolling in it. Um, But I am not. Could you describe this movie in a few sentences to someone who as we've talked to people have never seen it could you describe this movie in a few sentences to to someone who's never even heard of it oh, <laughs> oh i laughed when sam was having just these flashbacks of log lines oh my gosh uh man i think the I, way i described it earlier is probably the way i would say it which is that a very rich man gets a gift from his brother that's a game and that game tests what he really cares about in life. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's actually, that's 
actually better than the actual log line that's given here. <laughs> which which is it's the, this is very convoluted. Uh, the IMDb one. It's Nicholas Van Orton, played by Michael Douglas, is a successful banker who keeps mostly to himself. When his estranged brother Conrad, played by Sean Penn, returns on his birthday with an odd gift, participation in a personalized real-life game, Nicholas reluctantly accepts. Initially harmless, the game grows increasingly personal, and Van Orton begins to fear for his life as he eludes agents from the mysterious game's organizer. With no one left to trust and his money gone, Van Orton must find answers for himself. Eh. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> That's that's like reading a first draft of something. I know. This is a is this a one pager? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's that's bad. That's real bad. No, yeah. no Ogden special. Unless <laughs> unless whoever wrote that works for IMDb and listening to this, then I think it's great. <laughs> They're no, not it's, listening. It's not, it's not good. They're not listening. They're not listening to little old me. Yeah. Get out of here. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think that you're a lot cooler than you give yourself credit for. Oh, I, see? And, I, and the 12 people that are listening to this right now are nodding their heads, being like, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> I have 12 listeners. I'm so excited. Based by my analytics, I am huge in Germany. I just That's want amazing. you to know that. That's awesome. Frank, Frankfurt and Maine. I don't, I don't know. I got That's, some buddies up there. So shout out That's to Frankfurt and Maine. Awesome. It's great. That's well, wonderful. Yeah, I, that, I absolutely adore it. Send me some fan mail if you yeah, please, yeah. <laughs> or don't. It's yeah, fine no, too. no, don't. Well, no, you want them to write a review. Yeah. People, that, people don't understand. Like when they hear people say it at the end of it, it's like when they review. tune out. Yeah, they they tune out because they think it's like a commercial, which I totally get. But like, yeah. it takes it takes less than thirty seconds. Yeah, this was a, a great thing. Yeah, I liked it. Right. I don't have any mattresses to sell. I don't have any like breaks from your usual podcast. I'm not endorsed by anybody, but yeah. if you liked it, let a girl know. Yeah, absolutely. That's very exciting. So Phil, where can the folks find your work? Anything uh, that you're working on? Where can the kids find you? Uh, <laughs> uh you can I, I'd say the easiest place is on Twitter. I the the J Phil Ogden is really where you can find me and I have link to the thing shows there and yeah and i'm generally you know pretending that people are listening and writing threads about stuff like that so (laughs) (laughs) i absolutely love it phil is an incredible interesting character and phil has done incredible things to bring not only the creative writing community but also actors together to give writers an opportunity to have their scripts table read which i cannot tell you enough how invaluable that is to hear your work not only back to you but to have it performed because as we know in the writing community it could be years sometimes many many years before your work even gets produced and even then it's not even the way you wrote it (laughs) (laughs) so phil has done an incredible service to writers and actors everywhere and i personally um have enjoyed sitting in and watching those and i think been an incredible ride that you've given to people so i just personally wanted to say thank you for that well you're you're welcome um first of all thanks for being there and i i love writers i really do i i envy is not the right word but i (laughs) i do look up to you It, it is a it is a skill that i can exercise but i don't feel like i'm talented or like gifted at i should say um 
Oh, and the, come in. Uh, I'm not. I'm not being self-deprecating when I say that. I like direct, <laughs> I like directing, so I mean, I feel like that's where my skill set is. But like, the great thing about collaboration and stuff like this is that we we can't have films without writers. We right. just can't. The fact that they have so little power is very strange to me in film. They have it a lot more in television. Yeah. Agreed. But this has been fun. I'm so yeah. glad that I got to talk about this movie with someone. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. You were like, I was like, oh, I want to talk about it. <laughs> I, t- I, I told Elena after I listened to her episode, I was like, oh, I have I, I, sweating is not the right word. I was like, <laughs> I was gearing up for this episode and I was like, really like going all out, like, you know, thinking about like a lot of the higher concepts of this type of stuff. And I was like, maybe this is too much. And then I listened no. to the latest episode and I told her, I was like, oh, I listened to your episode and I'm just going to let it fly. <laughs> oh, yeah. She just let, that's why I say, just like, let it go. It's just me, guys. You know, and it's like when, yeah. if you listened to um, uh, Kevin Dooley's episode about Evil Dead 2 and he did like research and deep dive trivia things, it was amazing. Oh. So I absolutely adore, like, let it go here. It's a safe yeah. space. No, this is good. And- <laughs> Well, and you're you're so good at this kind of stuff too. Like, oh, thanks. I mean, you've been running Zooms forever, like you know, yeah. gathering people. <laughs> 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 but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's it's cool. Like it's this has been fun. I've been looking forward to this all week. I am too, Phil. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so so excited that you are here, and I love talking about this movie and continue to rock it out for the creative community and. You're doing good things, and we all appreciate that. So, everybody, Thanks, Mr. Phil Ogden, for Shower your everyone. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank right. you, guys. We'll all see right. you later. Bye. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>